So, um, yeah, welcome everybody. It's nice to be back here on this beautiful day. It's been a couple weeks since I've been up here. We had Chris fill in a couple weeks ago with his continuing work on the Book of Judges. And then last week was Miggy's Bar Mitzvah. And that was a wonderful service. And so it's been kind of nice to be just um, being able to hang out and just sort of take a service in. So, um, so yeah, it's just nice to see everybody. Those friends I haven't seen in a while, and uh, those in orbit, and those who come regularly. I like to uh, like to see and welcome everyone. Also, we should welcome our online listeners. It, we got contacted a, a little while ago by a few people that listen but um, don't attend, I think because they live quite a distance away. And it's sort of humbling to actually have an audience. And it's something I hadn't really thought of much before that. So for those of you listening, wherever you are, I hope you're blessed. And thank you for listening. So um, yeah, Memorial Day, I'd like to acknowledge Memorial Day as our brother Mike did as well. Memorial Day, of course, a special time to remember those who have fallen um, in service and defense of our country. Um, that's what, I don't know if you quite call it uh, celebrating Memorial Day, but we're certainly observing Memorial Day. There's been many, many men and women who have uh, given their life the ultimate price, right? And so Monday's a day as a nation that we remember them. There's so many stories you hear about of a soldier throwing himself on a grenade, or I remember watching videos of these helicopter pilots in Vietnam, and they're flying their helicopters, things full of bullet holes, and they're still trying to pick their buddies up, and many of them perish. So there's a lot of really brave uh, people out there that their bravery is incredible. So, we, you know, we, uh, it's during this day that we remind ourselves that they deserve that remembrance and recognition. And so may their memories be a blessing and may they find peace and comfort in the presence of our Creator. This week's Parsha, we are wrapping up Vayikra, almost done um, with the book of Leviticus. And we'll be heading right into Bamidbar here pretty quick. Parsha Bahut Kotai. Um, this is, um, seems like Vayikra went pretty fast this year. Maybe they all go fast, I don't know. But it felt like it went fast. And so um, I was kind of uh, getting into that a little bit this week. It was nice to get back in the mix. And I thought of, you know, there's a lot of things. It draws out a lot of things. And even uh, Beth touched on this a little bit. Why bad things happen to good people, right? That's an age-old question. And even with the, uh, those terrible events that happened earlier in Texas, in the elementary school, you know, you begin to think, why do such terrible things happen in this world? Why do such bad things happen? And um, that's some, such of the criticism that I began to see online. If God is such a loving God, how can he let something so horrible happen? And so there's that age-old question again. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I think this week's Torah portion gives us some insight into that. 
So I'd like to jump in there a little bit. Um, I'm going to begin reading in the English. Thank you, Beth, for reading it in the Hebrew. I'll be reading in the English. Vayikra, chapter 26, verse 3 is where I'm going to start. Uh, or Leviticus, chapter 26, verse 3, if you have a different version of Scripture. It's Leviticus 26, 3, page 41, page 141. If you have a Stearns Bible... But this week's Torah portion starts out very nice, right? Verse 3, if you live by my regulations, observe my mitzvot, and obey them, then I will provide you the rain you need in its season. The land will yield its produce, and the trees in the field will yield their fruit. Your threshing time will extend until the grape harvest, and your grape harvesting will extend until the time for sowing seed. You'll eat as much food as you want and live securely in your land. I will... Give shalom, peace in the land, and you will, be, you will lie down to sleep unafraid of anyone. I will rid the land of wild animals. The sword will not go through your land. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall before your sword. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. Your enemies will fall before your sword. Um, I will turn towards you, make you productive, increase your numbers, and uphold my covenant with you. You will, eat, you will eat all you want from last year's harvest and throw out what remains of the old to make room for the new. I'll put my tabernacle among you and I will not reject you, but I will walk and be your God and you will be my people. Isn't this wonderful? This is, it makes you feel all warm and fuzzy, right? This is what you want. And so, we continue reading. And we're going to find out that there are conditions to this warm and fuzziness that we have. There's a little bit of a uh, price to pay if you're not going to be obedient to it. And this is what uh, Beth was touching on. Verse 13, I am Adonai your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so you'd not be their slaves. I've uh, broken the bars of your yoke so that you can walk upright. But if you don't listen and obey my mitzvot, if you loathe my regulations and rulings in order not to obey my mitzvot, but cancel my um, regulations, but cancel my covenant, excuse me, then I, for my part, will do this to you. I will bring terror upon you, wasting disease, chronic fever to dim your sight and sap your strength. You will sow your seed for nothing because your enemies will eat the crops. I will set my face against you, your enemies will defeat you, and those who hate you will hound you, and you will flee when no one is pursuing you. If these things don't make you listen to me, then I will discipline you seven times over for your sins. I will break the pride you have in your own power, and I will make your sky like iron, your soil like bronze. Then you will spread your strength in vain because... Spend your strength in vain because the land will not yield its produce or the trees in the field their fruit. And continuing on, um, for the next several verses, there is a lot of very painful and terrible things that are happening to them. It turns around, though, when you get down to the end of the chapter, right near the very end there, the last paragraph, chapter uh, of chapter 26, verse 39, there is the uh, 
there's resolution here. Those of you who will remain, or those of you who remain, will pine away in the lands of your, uh, lands of your enemies from guilt over your misdeeds and those of your ancestors. That's what repentance is, right? Then they will confess their misdeeds and those of their ancestors which they committed um, against me in their rebellion, and they will admit that they went against me, and at that time I would be going against them, bringing them into the lands of their enemies. But if their uncircumcised hearts will grow humble and they are paid the punishment for their misdeeds, then I will remember my covenant with Yaakov and also my covenant with Yitzchak and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. For the land will I abandon without them, and I will, it will be paid at Shabbats while it lies desolate without them, and they will be paid the punishment for their misdeeds because they rejected my rulings and loathed my regulations. Yet, in spite of all of that, I will not reject them when they are in the lands of their enemies, nor will I loathe them to the point of utterly destroying them and thus break my covenant with them because I am Adonai, their God. Rather, for their sakes, I will remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought out of the land of Egypt with the nations watching so that I might be their God. I am Adonai. Um, so there is a purpose to terrible things that's going on here, and that purpose is repentance. We talk often about repentance. Repentance is much deeper than just, I'm sorry for what I did. I mean, that's nice that we're sorry for the bad things that we do. But teshuva and repentance is much more of a lifestyle, much more of a turning around and walking in the right direction as opposed to being sorry for continually walking in the wrong direction. So the point of this is repentance. The Rav Lorberg of Blessed Memory comments on these verses here, and he writes that the purpose of these warnings is to stir the hearts of a disobedient, rebellious, and proud people to repentance. At the same time, however, Adonai declares that even under these circumstances, and to the dismay of the adversary, he will never reject his people or destroy them because he's a covenant keeper. And also quotes uh, from Romans that from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers and the gifts and callings of God's people are irrevocable. So although there are many curses that come on here, there's also uh, that um, covenant that he's not going to break with them. So going back and looking a little deeper at this, that was just kind of the 30,000-foot uh, view. If we look a little deeper, and let's, uh, it was um, a Hebrew word that Beth brought up, kuri, and it's found in chapter 26, and we read it first in verse 21. So if you look at verse 21, and it reads... Yes, if you go against, that go against is that Hebrew word, kuri, it's spelled kaf resh yod. Kuri, if you, kuri, if you go against me and don't listen to me, I will increase your calamities sevenfold according to your sins and send wild animals among you and they will rob you of your children, destroy your livestock and reduce your numbers until your roads are deserted. That Kuri's, uh, 
that means to walk contrary, and Beth brought that up about it can mean walk contrary to, it can mean hard-hearted, it can mean rebellion. What's unique about this word kari, kafresh yod, is that it only appears seven times in the Bible. It's a rare Hebrew word. And all seven times that it appears are in this chapter. And so when there's rarities like that in the Bible, it's uh, sort of like taking a highlighter and highlighting the section. Because here in the book of Leviticus, you know, the book of Exodus, the people are freed from bondage. And then we get into the book of Leviticus, and what are they? they're taught holiness. And they're taught all the different laws and how to worship him. And now that they're concluding the book of Leviticus, he's, he kind of ends it with, um, if you follow my regulations, right, I will be... Uh, uh, make sure you live in peace and wholeness. But if you don't do what I do, and this is when he gets his little Hebrew highlighter out, and he throws these rare words in that don't appear anywhere else, so what that does to the reader is it draws your attention to the spot, that this is very important. Notice he doesn't highlight the blessings. He doesn't throw rare words and all the warm and fuzzy stuff. He really highlights what happens when um, you're rebellious. And the point of that is to drive people to repentance, of course. When the people go against God, bad things happen, especially when they have seen and read the word and they reject it. There's going to be some chastising. There's going to be some bad things happening. And that's linked to people's refusal to follow his ways, something the prophets constantly chided the people. You know, they knew better, but... They refuse to follow them. Um, one of the millions of examples is um, Yekezkel 3.27. He's prophesying to the people. He says to them, but when I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you will say to them, this is what Adonai Elohim says. Whoever is inclined to listen is going to listen. And whoever is inclined to refuse will refuse because they are a rebellious house. People in rebellion, they don't like to listen to his ways. They don't want to follow his ways. And so without repentance, mankind sort of follows himself, and his ways often digress into chaos and wickedness. Not all right away. It's sort of a slow decay that happens, and society tends to fall into that when they're following themselves. They're not following God. There's really no nation on this earth that follows God in a biblical way, and I think especially in 2022, we're beginning to see the fruit of that. Many people, and at times we're all guilty of um, failing to live and walk in his ways, right? But certainly we live in a time where almost good is being called evil and evil is being called good. It's, it's a moral decay that's difficult to... It's almost a spiral that's hard to pull yourself out of to really engage repentance and turn and walk into God's ways. Yet the question remains, why do bad things happen to good people, right? That's what the skeptics ask. We understand why bad things happen to bad people. They kind of get what's coming to them, right? Why do the bad things have to happen to good people? I think first we have to be comfortable with the idea that all things are done ultimately for his good. You don't have to turn there, 
But Romans 8.28 says, Furthermore, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. He doesn't say God causes everything for good. He says God causes everything to work together. You know, we're the ones that screw up and create wickedness. God just causes these things to work together for the good, ultimately for his purpose. And it's all for the good. Now, the skeptic may not be satisfied with that answer either. So maybe a little analogy would be helped because we're not, at some point, you have to defer to mystery. And the skeptic doesn't like that either. But the reality is we're just never going to be able to grasp that revelation yet. We're not ready for it. Um, we're sort of like uh, spiritual toddlers in this life. If you think about like a, uh, when you have a little toddler running around the house, walking around the house and toddling, what, 10 months old, 11 months old, and they go to stick their finger in the electrical socket. What do you do? You swat their hand and you yell at them, try to scare them, make them scared of it. I mean, we understand what electricity is and how it functions and how it can uh, cause a shock that's very uncomfortable. But there's no way I could communicate that amount of revelation to the toddler. The toddler's not ready to receive it. And so the best thing I can do is to get it to not do it, and I use what I can use, a loud voice to scare the child, swatting it, causing a little bit of violence so that the child doesn't want to go there anymore. From the child's point of view, here's somebody that's nurturing them, caring for them, and suddenly, as you see, yelling and screaming and hitting them, and they don't quite understand why. They don't understand we're just trying to protect them. And so that's in the position we're in. When I get asked, why do bad things happen to good people? There's, you know, we're like that toddler. Sometimes we don't understand, ultimately, why things happen. It could be for our good. It could be for a greater purpose. But how do you rationalize all this terrible stuff all the time? But that's just like the toddler trying to rationalize, I just want to play with this little thing on the wall. Why can't I? There are just some things in this life we're not going to understand, but in the world to come, there's greater revelation and greater peace. There's a peace coming. John 16, 21, Yeshua's teaching, and he says, he gives an analogy. He says, when a woman's giving birth, she's in pain because her time has come. But when the baby's born, she forgets her suffering out of joy that a child has come into the world. So you indeed feel grief now, but I'm going to see you again. Then your hearts will be full of joy, and no one will take your joy away from you. There's peace coming, despite all what we're suffering through in this world. And there's revelation coming, right? Paul says, we see through like a mirror darkly now, but then, you know, we're going to see much more clearly. There's a time coming in the world to come where we're going to mature and we're going to be able to realize, okay, I can seem terrible then, but uh, I have a little wider perspective, and now I think I understand a little bit more about why things happened the way they did. And so that's where we have our hope is in the world to come, in the kingdom, and in the resurrection, where, where we will learn that the pain and grief we experience is not in vain. Often it's for our own good to drive us to repentance, or sometimes it's for a greater purpose, but like that toddler, we have to have a little patience in this life because we may not be able to understand why, but we can trust that repentance will bring peace and blessing and we can trust that he is going to return and bring joy to this world and um, 
that is our hope, and that's what we look forward to. And so may um, Adonai continue to uh, fill us with wisdom and to wisdom to listen to him and walk in his ways and follow his ways. Uh, may the Spirit guide us and nurture us and encourage us to persevere in this often painful and chaotic world that we're in. And may the love of Yeshua fill us, uh, so much so that it goes forth from us to everyone around us. In him is the way and the truth and the life. Shabbat shalom.